This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. It is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong. In a moment, we'll be checking in with John Carlson of 2% Realty. You know him as Johnny Smartpoint. Dot com, And uh, he's got some insight into some of the latest news from what's been a crazy real estate market over the past, uh, I guess, 12 months. But it might be easing, perhaps, and there's some, some news on the horizon. He'll tell you all about that. But coming up first, some of the consumer news headlines. It was a big week for Apple computers. They announced a bunch of new products, including the big one, a new line of ultra-slim and now very colorful iMac computers. And it's a big deal because they haven't updated the iMac since 2012. The company also announced AirTags to help you locate stuff when it gets lost. They're the little things that you put in your purse or in your backpack or you attach to your keys so you can find them. The new AirTags will cost 29 bucks US, so a little bit more here, while the new iMac will start at $12.99 US. They'll be available at midnight on April 30th. That's this coming Friday. The new thinner iMac computers will also come in a bunch of new colors, like really vivid colors, like purple and green, and will feature a higher quality front-facing camera and a better microphone. So that is obviously aimed at all of us who are doing a lot more Zoom calls these days. Some new uh, good news for the businesses on the White Walk White Rock Waterfront. The city council there has decided to keep the White Rock Pier and the nearby parking lots open. They had talked about closing it over concerns of big crowds, many not wearing masks, possibly spreading COVID-19. Have you tried an e-bike? They're pretty cool, especially if you like to pedal and get some exercise, but occasionally need some help on the hills. Well, there's some good news if you're thinking of buying an e-bike. As of this past Wednesday, you won't have to pay provincial sales tax on them. The bike started around 1500 bucks. You can pay a lot more. So that means not paying PST would save you at least about 100 bucks. And a lower mainland man is fed up with people who go to the trouble of picking up after their dogs, but then leave the full poop bag on the ground for somebody else to pick up. A.P. Hovass is now leaving little custom-made flags at the site of the poop bags that are left behind. And he has a point. Hovass says it makes no sense that people go halfway to cleaning up after their dog and then they just leave the poop bag on the ground. He says he sees it all the time on hiking trails. He's a nature photographer, so he's always on the trails. Uh, He also says he doesn't blame the dogs. He says the worst he's seen was one walk in Boundary Bay where in a very short span of time he found three poop bags dropped, fully loaded, all within 50 meters of a garbage can. This is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. And coming up, we're going to talk real estate and guiding us through the opportunities out there. John Carlson of 2% Realty, johnnysmartpoint.com. That's when Vancouver Consumer continues on CKNW. It's Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong, and it's time to talk real estate with our friend John Carlson from 2% Realty. You know him as johnnysmartpoint.com. Hello, John. How you doing? Hey, Martin. I'm doing fine. Yourself? Very, very well. Just sort of uh, coasting along. I got my uh, vaccine shot a couple of weeks ago, survived that. And uh, so I'm feeling like progress is being made slowly. 
And we've had all this fantastic weather. It's feeling a little bit more summery. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we had a, a pretty good stretch this past week. You can't yeah. complain. And I yeah. guess that's, uh, I mean, talk about weather. Does weather have a big impact on your business? Like, do, do people start calling you when the sun comes out and then kind of disappear when, when it's dark and rainy? Well, it's not the biggest factor, obviously, but uh, it does play a part, sure. Like, in the gloomy months, a lot of times, uh, you know, for instance, acreages, you don't see them listed in November or January usually because things are wet and ugly, but... Um, you see those listings hit towards the middle end of spring, uh, and they're usually hot in the summer. Uh, and, you know, good weather just in general, I think it does. People have a certain amount of pride in their properties sometimes, and they want to get the, you know, the, the gardens done just right, the lawns done right. So, yeah, that's one of the reasons I think traditionally that spring is the big time when things take off is people have a bit of good weather to, to play with and, and get their properties ready. So, yeah, I think it's got a positive effect on everybody, including myself, uh, mentally and emotionally included. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. It definitely does change your state of mind. Uh, well, let's talk, uh, let's start with kind of an overview of the market. Uh, and uh, when we talk to John, uh, johnnysmartpoint.com, John Carlson, uh, we, we've we been talking about uh, trends over the past year and how surprising it's been and how red hot the market is and continues to be, but there were a few articles that I was reading last week that show maybe the it, it, they're not really predicting uh, a real downturn anytime soon, but maybe the froth of the market is slowly coming down a little bit. There was an, uh, a report by Toronto Dominion, and uh, they were talking about how some new mortgage rules uh, might take a little bit of the heat off the market. And uh, it's kind of confusing to me, and that's why we need uh, an expert like you, John. So talk about how mortgage rules and, and the changes that are might be coming are, are going to affect the market. Yeah, that's a, you know, that's a great question because that's one of the big things on, you know, on the agenda right now. And one of the items that's going to help shape what happens in the near future in the real estate market. And, and starting with statistics and reports, I always like to to um, explain to to people who might be listening that you know even even with me being in this business you, you can kind of get confused and see conflicting reports or statistics and some are for Greater Vancouver and some are for for Canada as a whole and so you got to kind of got to figure out what people are talking about first and foremost and and then you got to wonder are these reports you know accurate you, you never know and just like everybody else I'm looking at the market on a day to day basis I'm in it up to my uh, my waist every day and you know I'm gathering I guess experiences and examples and I'm talking to other agents and buyers and sellers and I'm always you know got my finger on the pulse if you will of what's going on or at least trying to and you know we're coming off a march that was you know March of 2021 highest number of sales in Greater Vancouver and Fraser Valley ever recorded but also the highest number of new listings taken so it's an exciting time in real estate and when things get heated up uh, there's a lot of speculation involved, and I don't mean necessarily financial speculation, buying and selling, but people speculating to themselves: Gee, is it going to go up? Is it? Is it? Is our prices still rising? What are the dynamics? What do they look like? And and that's sometimes where statistics can help. So to your question, um, you know, there there are there are signs in some segments that we might be um, at least not accelerating as much as as we were in the market when you have whenever you have a whole bunch of new listings uh, hit the market it, it does help to give those buyers out there a little bit of confidence that they maybe don't have to uh, be as excited as buyers and, and go as crazy now having said that 
multiple offer situations are still very common. Over list sale prices are still very common. But it seems, again, we talked about this two weeks ago, it seems that with spring coming uh, and interest rates still being low and all these things, and buyers are starting to feel, you know, maybe a little bit more comfortable, as you mentioned, you had the the COVID vaccination, uh, that maybe we're heading towards a time when things might go back to normal in terms of lifestyle. And I think more people are comfortable having their houses on the market, having people inside them. So, you know, maybe I'll give a give you give you a little bit of time to talk here. But to answer your question, one of the things on the horizon that the federal government has looked at, and they did this in 2017 as well, is introducing a new stress test when it comes to mortgage financing. And I think we should talk about that. But before we do, I'm not a mortgage broker. There are good mortgage brokers out there that you can talk to. If you need one, feel free to call me and I can put you in touch with one. But uh, again, I'm not a mortgage broker, but it is part of my business to understand this. And uh, let's talk about this. Uh, The federal government is introducing a little bit more buffer zone in terms of what your interest rate that you can get at the bank might be and what they want you to qualify at as a purchaser. Right. So it's basically... uh just slightly more difficult to borrow big loads of money. Yeah, yeah. Putting a dampening effect on on the supply or the liquidity in, in the market is, it, it proved actually quite quite effective in 2017. So if you go back four years, let's say, um, you know, there was no stress test. And at that time, I think mortgages were available in the in a range of not much more than 2%. And, and the, the, the federal government says, okay, well, look, for some of these high markets, Vancouver and Toronto in particular, let's maybe limit the amount of ammunition that your average household can go out and and borrow to compete against one another and drive these prices up. So if uh, my family and I had a certain amount of income and good credit, the bank would say, okay, hey, look at this, based on the, on the uh, interest rate right now, we'll lend you X amount of dollars and you're pre-approved for this purchase. But after the stress test, they said, hey, look, the interest rate's still the same, your credentials are still the same, but we are not going to let you borrow money uh, based on the on the current rate, we want you to borrow it based on an inflated rate. I think right now it's four point seven nine percent, and that builds in a buffer zone. If rates go up, you know people aren't borrowing their max, that sort of thing. So there was in two thousand seventeen a noticeable effect. In particular, there was a rush ahead of the deadline for people who wanted to maximize their purchasing power, and they were out there in force trying to, you know, to buy before the deadline. And then there was a little bit of a lull after the deadline where those people who had acted prior to were not there to act afterwards and a little bit of a lull. And that coincided at a time when the market was starting to slow down anyway. Mm -hmm. Right now, what I see in 2021 is, you know, they're talking about the stress test. Instead of 4.79, they're bumping it up almost half a percent, five and a quarter percent. You need to qualify uh, at that rate to borrow whatever money, regardless of what rate the, the bank will lend you the money at. And at five and a quarter, or if the rates were to go up 2% higher than the rate, if it goes higher, whichever is higher, five and a quarter or 2% above uh, the, the the available rate. So what they're doing, again, is they're going to take a little bit of that steam out of the, the market from the buyer side in terms of financing. And I think it makes perfect sense um, because we're seeing, you know, steady climbs, as we've talked about over the years. And it's, I really think it's aimed at um, making sure that the real estate market stay safe. It doesn't get too overheated. We don't have extreme highs that end up in, you know, hangover type crashes. Uh, it's just to soften things up a bit. So I think it probably will have the desired effect. But as you mentioned, um, you know, there might be other factors out there that are that are uh, indicating that the market that was white hot uh, is now, you know, maybe 
inching towards yellow or red hot. If, if yeah. that's you know, it's it's still a hot market, but I think there are attempts to make sure that we don't get too overheated and see some disastrous um, you know consequences. Yeah, it's interesting. Something to watch for. Uh, we're talking to John Carlson, johnnysmartpoint.com. Uh, he is a uh, real estate agent, and uh, he knows what he's talking about. You can give him a call at 604-612-0080. And it is kind of interesting, John, about the fact that uh, it's all about available properties to buy. And uh, it's kind of if you take the froth out of the market, it, I guess it's going to mean there's going to be more inventory for people to buy, which on the surface for you, if you're selling a property as an agent, that's really good. You know, you're getting bidding wars and, and it, it, it makes the properties easy to sell, but it's not necessarily a good thing, is it? If you're selling a property and there's nothing else to buy um, out there. Well, if you're selling only, it's probably a fantastic yeah. thing, you're in, you, you know, but if you're selling and buying, which a lot of people do, most people probably, yeah, that, that makes it tougher. And that has hurt the inventory because I know lots of people, I'm sure uh, listeners out there have friends or agents out there who, who have told them, hey, you know, I'd have more listings or we would be on the market now, but boy, we just don't know where we're going to go. And we know we could sell, but gee, what are we going to do with that money? And in the time that we sell between then and the time we buy, our price is going to go up. So there's, there's uncertainty. And again, you can't underestimate the elephant in the room, which is COVID-19 and, you know, how that's going to play out. If things start to normalize, that's wonderful. If things turn the other direction and go bad, I mean, that could change things dramatically as well. So right now, uh, I think people have a certain comfort level with, uh, you know, COVID protocols and that sort of thing. And it seems more people are okay with having people in their home and selling. But all these changes, what do they mean for a seller? You know, you can't you cannot control the the marketplace that you work in, but you can understand it and you can come up with a plan based on your understanding of the market. So, just thinking out loud here, and there's no guarantees, listeners, of course. But um, I'm thinking if I had a, a property that was kind of sitting, and maybe my tenants had given notice, and I'm thinking, gee, is this the right time to sell? It very well may be. Um, we may see some of these measures take some of the froth out of the market, as you mentioned, and a lot of people would welcome that. Or if you're downsizing uh, and you're ready to cash out, it's your major investment. I've had a lot of people call me and say, hey, John, what do you think about the timing? And I don't have a crystal ball, but if it's not optimal, it's probably not too far off of optimal right now. So lots of things to consider. And these are the kind of conversations I often have with people who call me uh, to talk about their plans of selling. Yeah, yeah, it does seem like a, a good time for anybody, like you say, who's downsizing or they're they're going to sell a house and then maybe rent an apartment for a while or something like that. If you're, um, like, uh, I think you're right. It might be a good time to at least talk to John. Uh, JohnnySmartPoint.com is the website. Um, 604-612-0080. And uh, I guess uh, you, you've been seeing a lot of, uh, I think this is what the kids call it, FOMO, fear of missing out. And when you have a client who you think is sort of in that sort of mode, that fear of missing out, or anybody, like a friend or family member who who is looking at the market uh, through that sort of lens of the fear of missing out, uh, what do you say to them? Well, um, if they've invited me in to be a part of the conversation, that's the first part. And, and so if they have done that, then, you know, I have a duty to tell them what I think. And uh, 
you know, it depends really on the situation of the person. My job is to understand that situation and offer, offer, offer some helpful advice if I can. Uh, you know, on the face of it, fear of missing out doesn't sound like a good reason, you know, to act. Um, but on the other hand, I mean, there are people who want to get into the market. It's that time. Maybe they're first time buyers and maybe they've got a good job and good credit and they want to start a family and they don't want to be tenants forever. And they might look at things and say, hey, you know what? I can get a five-year interest uh, interest rate that's incredibly low right now. Um, prices are strong, but, you know, chances are they'll continue to be strong, if not stronger in the future. So, you know, those people, maybe they don't want to miss out on their opportunity now to purchase. And, you know, that's a lot of people. Other people are more discretionary. They don't have to buy or sell now, but they have a, you know, a personal reason that they might want to do it, whether it's cashing out or moving or joining family or any of these these sorts of things. So, uh, I wouldn't say that it's a good idea to jump in the market just because you're thinking, you, you know, you might miss out, but that's a personal decision. Um, more often, it's it's about people's personal lives and timing and their financial positions and retirement plans and all those sorts of things can kind of come in to play. But the easy answer is for those people looking to sell and cash out on, you know, their maybe their major investment of their principal residence or an investment home. There has not so far in history a Greater Vancouver and Fraser Valley been a better time to be a seller. And, you know, that's something worth thinking about. Mm-hmm. And that's why you should go to johnnysmartpoint.com, the website for John Carlson, uh, 604-612-0080. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about commission and how uh, you can save some big money on commission. That's when Vancouver Consumer continues right after this. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong, and we are talking, uh, I think in Vancouver, it's our favorite subject. I know uh, in the days before COVID, when you'd go to parties, everybody was talking about real estate. It, it, it would ultimately break out into a conversation about real estate. And when you're talking real estate, you want to talk to an expert. John Carlson, uh, johnnysmartpoint.com is his website, uh, 604-612-0080. And uh, we've been talking about uh, this market and how we are um, in, a, in a very hot market. And there's never been a better time to sell, especially if you're downsizing, if you're thinking of of maybe moving to a, a smaller uh, a, a smaller city uh, and it, it it really is a good time to at least explore your options with uh, with a piece of property that you have that you may want to sell and uh, I think that's why uh, John is such a, a good resource for that and if you go to johnnysmartpoint.com you can learn all about about his business but let's talk about um, commission. And, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about where the name Johnny Smart Point comes from, but it it really is your, uh, to me, it's like one of the advantages of, of your business, John, is, is the amount of experience you bring. Many, many years of working in the Lower Mainland, you've sold uh, more than a thousand properties, but you also um, provide a very sensible sort of uh, commission structure. So so talk about how that works and and how your commission structure works. Thank you because I, I you know I get these questions uh, fairly often. Um, 
coming from different angles. One of them might be people just don't really understand how commissions work in the MLS system. Uh, and basically, uh, here's how it works. If you were to list your property with me or any other agent out there, that agent would have a commission structure. It might be uh, dictated by the company they work for. Each company in each office maybe has their own structure that they have their, their agents uh, adhere to. And there's no set commissions. Sometimes so the most common, well, the most common commission structure is 7% of the first $100,000 of your sale price and two and a half or 3% of the balance. That's generally what you see in Greater Vancouver and the Fraser Valley and probably, I don't know, 80 or 90% of the listings out there. But there are other options out there. There's all kinds of them, actually. I mean, there's for sale by owner options. There's companies that'll sell you signs and sell you access to MLS and then walk away and say, hey, we're not your agent, but there you are. You're on MLS. Have fun. And hey, nothing wrong with that either, I suppose, if that's what you want. Uh, but, you know, the reason I thought maybe my structure was the smart point, again, having the experience level to do a good job, that's first and foremost before any commission uh, uh, considerations, I would say, have a good agent who knows what he or she's doing. But, you know, at my company, I charge a 2% flat fee at anything under $500,000. So if you've got a million dollar home, 2% commission. And the buyer, the, 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 the seller pays the commission to the listing brokerage and the listing brokerages through the listing contracts advertise a certain amount of commission out to the buyer. So I collect less commission than the majority of my competitors and I offer out less commission to the buyer's agents as well. So in that regard, I'm negotiating on behalf of my clients. Um, but, you know, savings, I'll have people who sell a million dollar house and they'll say, you know, hey, compared to what other people quoted me in terms of commission, you saved me about a third or maybe it was uh, maybe it was $10,000 or $12,000 or $15,000 commission. And that's real after tax money. So, again, that's big money. That's important money that you're going to need, regardless what you do, if you're buying again or putting the money in the bank for retirement. Um, and I think that it's smart money if, you know, if there's no consequence to it. So uh, if I were not a good agent uh, and I were just charging a low commission structure, I probably would not be a good option because, uh, again, a good agent can do a lot more good and, and maybe a lesser agent could maybe potentially do a lot more harm than any of that commission difference might make up. But my commission structure is is 2% commission across the board and I don't cut corners. Um, you know, we've talked about this before. I do all the photos and floor plans and 3D tours and, uh, you know, arrange the showings and, and the whole process from top to bottom. And and again, you know, the, the area where a good agent really earns his or her salt is at the negotiating table. So setting the stage for the proper response on a listing uh, by your descriptions and the way you position it price-wise and and the timing and all those sorts of things are important. And that sets the stage for really what is the main event. And that is, uh, you know, if you've got a detached house anywhere in greater Vancouver or a townhouse or in the Fraser Valley, chances are, if you position it right, you can get more than one offer and setting it up for a multiple offer situation really is kind of the, the flavor of the day, if you will, in the market. So um, again, experience, the number one thing you want is a good agent who uh, you can trust and who will do a good job for you. And if you can save some money, a significant amount of money compared to most of the competition at the same time, to me, that's kind of the smart place to be. And that's what I offer. Yeah. The smart point, johnnysmartpoint.com is the website. And I guess with houses going for bit, such big money, in some cases doubling over the past few years, um, that commission can really add up. I mean, it does. It really does. So Johnny, it, oh, go ahead, please. No, 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 it does. It, it, and it's not a small fee. I don't want to make light of it. People, uh, you know, who pay for a professional, they want to get good service and good results. And, and that's what I do often. 
Mm-hmm. And that's why if you go to johnnysmartpoint.com, the website, you can see an actual table. And it's pretty simple math. If you look at what uh, John Carlson, Johnny Smartpoint, will charge you, uh, it's 2% versus a, a traditional uh, rate structure uh, for a lot of other agents um, on a million-dollar home. That I mean, you look at the table. I'm looking at it right now. That's... $9,500 right that right there and that's that's real money. Um that's right. Yeah. yeah. And you know my goal again it, that's a big part of my goal but ultimately my goal is to do a good job for people so they can maximize the biggest investment they may ever have in their life. So again it's great to talk about commissions because that's kind of a somewhat unique point that I offer that a lot of agents don't is a, a little bit of a better rate or significantly better rate in some cases but let's remember people this is a really this is an important important deal. You probably want to have a good professional that knows your area in charge uh, working with you. So again, that's what I offer. There are a lot of other good agents out there and I work with a lot of them every day. Um, but if you um, have been listening to me and I know a lot of people I meet, you know, have listened to the show many times and, you know, and, and you've thought about giving me a call, please feel free to, to do that because I'm available to you. Mm-hmm. johnnysmartpoint.com it's easy to remember uh, 604-612-0080 John Carlson and uh, we've been talking about uh, COVID it seems like we're in kind of a strange uh, it feels like we're turning a corner on COVID and we're not exactly sure which direction that corner is going to take us into. Uh, there is some optimism. A lot of people I know, myself included, are getting the vaccine, uh, yet it seems like the numbers are going up. Um, so how how are you uh, dealing with uh, COVID in, with your business? I mean, you, I mean, I guess I guess it was a crash course in 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 Zoom mm-hmm. technology and showing houses remotely and all that stuff. I guess you're getting kind of kind of good at it at this point. Yeah, I, I find though um, that things have gone back to normal a little bit to some degree. Um, people still sometimes want Zoom meetings, but I find that compared to about a year ago at this time where nobody wanted to see or have even in their driveway, um, you know, unless, you know, they vetted you pretty thoroughly. Um, now I find that people want me in their homes uh, to see the home, to do evaluations. And how do I handle it? Well, uh, you know, it's kind of funny. I carry a little uh, squirter of hand sanitizer with me in my jacket or pants pocket or something all the time. Anytime I touch doorknobs or things, I always wash my hands before I go into an appointment. I've got several masks that I bring with me and I always stay at least six feet apart from people. Now, sometimes people are in their homes and they don't want to wear a mask. That's fine. You don't have to wear a mask in your own home. But when I come into a house, I do that and I maintain my social distancing because, you know, I don't want to be compromised for my family or for my business. And so, so far in the year, that's that's worked very, very well. And then, of course, we have a duty to, to look after our clients' interests. I mean, we're we're their agents. And, and a big part of that right now is making sure that the whole process goes as safely as possible. So, again, hand sanitizer, questionnaires to make sure people are healthy or not risky to have in the home first. Um, making sure people take off their shoes and don't touch the lights and all these sorts of things just to keep the exposure to an absolute minimum. And I mean, I'm really happy to to report that in my experiences and the other experience I've had, it's been fantastic. Very, 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 very few situations. But every once in a while, like for instance, last weekend, I had a client that wanted to see a property. We set up an appointment and that morning I got a message saying, hey, we're canceling appointments for two weeks. There's been a COVID exposure in the house. So you know, you want to be careful. And what we do is we try to get our business done. It's an essential service. People rely on us um, in a very safe way. And I think the real estate 
agents and the entire real estate board has done a really good job of, you know, dissuading open houses and and having too many people in a house at once and all that stuff. So again, we've talked about COVID a thousand times. The listeners might be getting sick of it, but it's still there and it's still something we have to deal with. And I find that when you look at these huge sale numbers and the listing numbers, I think people are starting to get a little bit more confidence in the fact that they can operate somewhat normally uh, as long as we're careful, we have precautions and they can do business. So, you know, we, we do the best we can. Yeah. And I guess it, it, it sort of affects the way a house is shown. Oh, this is the kitchen. It's got lovely light. It's a beautiful place to, to hang out. This is the living room. This is the room where the Zoom calls are made. And, uh, <laughs> and I guess, because I, I know in our house we have now, we now have a Zoom room. It's kind of oh, funny. Do you? Yeah, it's. I spend a lot of time up there. Um, you don't use the Hawaii, the fake Hawaii back, uh, background anymore. <laughs> no, not anymore. The uh, the palm trees. Uh, I find that kind of uh, makes people mad. <laughs> they get annoyed. Yeah. Uh, we're talking to John Carlson. Uh, JohnnySmartPoint.com is the website. Six zero four six one two zero zero eight zero. We're talking about. Uh, real estate in general and in the world of real estate. And in the couple of minutes that we have left, um, I guess uh, any any predictions for like we're we're getting close to the end of April. Um, any 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 predictions for May? I know you don't like to make predictions, but um, what do you see going forward for May? Well, coming off the strongest month ever in March, and then seeing April. If you ask me, I think the Numbers will be pretty similar in April, maybe a little bit down. I, I would suggest maybe uh, down. The listings are remaining strong. I, I don't know. Tell me if I'm right. You drive around any neighborhood now. It's hard not. It's hard to go pretty any distance without seeing a for sale sign. So we are seeing the listing inventory bloom. If I had to speculate on this uh, on this uh, mortgage stress test, I would suggest that there are a number of people out there who want to complete their purchases before June 1st when it takes effect, and we're probably going to have a nice busy time. Um, after June 1st, we might see a little bit of a lull. We might see ratios balancing to some degree, but we're already so far out of whack in the favor of sellers that that would be a welcome change, if you ask me. So I think it's going to be business as usual for the most part, which is which is you know frenzied a little bit out there. Um, but if I had to guess, I would suggest that the stress test, just like in 2017, will have a bit of an effect. And we may be looking at a more balanced market in the summer, but I don't see prices coming down. Uh, I simply see it as a uh, maybe a, a pause uh, or a, maybe a slowing down of the increase in prices we've seen. And over the long term, you know, maybe you know maybe the market balances out again and we can get a little bit more relaxed about it. But right now, it's a seller's market. And the next time I'm on this program, we're going to talk again about some of the strategies that buyers can employ to be successful in this market because, boy, that's the challenging part. Right on. John Carlson has been our guest, johnnysmartpoint.com. And I, and I guess the takeaway from today is uh, if you are thinking of selling, if you are downsizing, maybe moving to a smaller city, it might be a good time to, to give John a call at 604-612-0080, johnnysmartpoint.com. Well, enjoy the rest of the weekend, John. Thank you. You too. And we'll talk again. We'll talk in a couple of weeks. John Carlson, johnnysmartpoint.com. This is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. And when we come back, we're going to ask Andrew. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong. And now we're going to ask Andrew. Andrew Ferreira is the executive producer of Vancouver Consumer. And he uh, has got some news. He follows all things Vancouver. And you've got parking news. And this really 
bugs me. Because I used to love, <laughs> I'd go to yoga on Granville Island and you could find a place to park for three hours and it was free. I mean, sometimes it was hard to find, but it was free. Sounds like the good old days, doesn't it? Yeah. So so they they actually stopped the free parking, but then they re, then, then when COVID happened, they brought it back. But now what's going on? Yeah, so when COVID came back, uh, Granville Island did kind of bring back the free parking to help, you know, encourage people to still support local. Um, but uh, but um, what's happening now, starting, you know, May 1st, next week, um, the paid parking is back. Ugh. Only for part of the day. Of right. course, it's the peak part of the day. Um, paid parking will be back between 11 a.m. and 6 p.m., uh, so essentially, you know, brunch to early dinner, right? If you'll think about it like that, is when pay parking will be back. Um, after uh, you know, after six p.m. before eleven a.m., parking is still free. So if you're one of those people who gets up early to go down to the public market, or uh, you know, you go out for dinner a little bit later at night, you don't have to worry about it. Uh, but what the Canadian Mortgage and Housing Corporation, who you know, still more or less uh, operates Granville Island, what they've indicated is that the um, because of the current travel restrictions, uh, they've got a lot of people who are parking in Granville Island without actually shopping in Granville Island. And they were willing to eat the revenue hit, you know, while people were still doing that. But as restrictions on, on activities have come down once again, uh, they're seeing that, you know, a lot of people are taking advantage of the parking um, without actually shopping or doing anything in Granville Island. Oh, really? You know, they're using it as a hub to, you know, walk the seawall or something like that. Right. Right. And so a lot of people who do rely on a vehicle, you know, not everyone is, you know, able, um, you know, of, of taking transit in, uh, you know, taking the bus and hiking that little way in. Uh, people who rely on vehicles in, and do their shopping in Granville Island uh, have found trouble. Uh, you know, finding parking, uh, being and having it accessible. Uh, you know, they stated that, you know, the revenue loss from the free parking was only intended to support its businesses, not to support people taking advantage of free parking. Yeah. So that's why this is happening. If you're one of those, you know, kind of peak day, I'm going to stop in and use it as a base, you'll have to pay for parking. But you know, what they're saying is if you're some of the regulars and the regulars are the people who do shop early. And the people who do, you know, work in hospitality, uh, the folks who do go and eat dinner there or have breakfast, right? Um, those people, they don't want to punish. What they're trying to discourage is people taking advantage of the free parking uh, without actually supporting uh, any of the businesses of Granville Island. And for that reason, I'm okay with it. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if you're an ardent Granville Island supporter... Uh, this probably won't bug you all that much. If you're willing to, you know, go to Granville Island, you're probably willing to go at nine in the morning, right? If, if it means saving, you know, the, you know, whatever it might cost to pay for parking, you'll probably do it. And I know a lot of people who do, you know, when they go to Granville Island, it's always, you know, essentially first thing in the morning. Uh, they'll always go when the public market opens up. They'll always, you know, have breakfast or something. And they're usually done by lunch. Um, so I... Of course, it sucks whenever we lose free parking because, hey, free parking is nice. Yeah. Uh, but like, like, like Granville Island said, this is only ever going to be a measure to support business. And if it's not being used to support business, why continue it? Yeah, well, you've convinced me. Then nicely done. Thank yeah, you. Because that makes sense. Thank you. And l lately, I've been going in and getting pickup from a, there's a bunch of good restaurants there getting takeout like Chow and all those places. And uh, yeah, it's very frustrating when there's no parking. 
<laughs> It'd be really crowded. Uh, this is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong. Stick around. Uh, I've got some news on uh, some new Apple products. If you're one of those Apple computer types, uh, this is kind of big news. They haven't updated the iMac in a long time, and they just did. We'll tell you about that when Vancouver Consumer continues right after this. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.